0: Learn more at marines.com. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. This is the Turn on the Jets Podcast. Jets have fired Jim, Mike McCagnin, and taking over in his spot, at least on an interim basis, is head coach Adam Gase. Now, here's your host, Joe Caparoso. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Turn on the Jets Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Caparoso, owner of turnonthejets.com. Uh, We have a revised topic for today's or this week's podcast. Uh, A bit of a bombshell, actually a complete bombshell in the middle of May. The New York Jets have fired general manager Mike McCagnon and his number two, Brian Heimerdinger. Uh, Shocking. Very rare that the NFL team's... Fire general managers at this time of the year. Adam Gaze is currently the interim GM. Uh, rumored replacement is Joe Douglas, who is currently the VP of player personnel at the Eagles. There's rumors Daniel Jeremiah from NFL Network could join the front office. There's a lot going on. Uh, tonight we're going to be joined by Elliot Christ, who's been on the podcast a few times. Uh, it's been, it's been a couple months, but we got Elliot back. He's the director of production and analytics at uh, the Quant Edge, who we've done actually some promotion for back a few months ago and does excellent work with analytics. And we originally were going to talk about how the Jets' roster stacked up against the rest of the AFC. Instead, we're just going to talk about Mike McCagnin and the chaotic Jets organization. Uh, Before we dive into our conversation, a reminder to subscribe, rate, review this podcast on iTunes, also on Spotify, Google Play. We'll also post it on TurnOnTheJets.com, where we have some written and further audio reaction to today's madness. Let's get right into it. Elliot, how you doing? How
1: you feeling right now? I'm you know what i was i was having a good day and then out of nowhere i gotta i because i have shefter's tweets uh they they send me direct notifications on my phone and i was like wait what <laughs> like i did that it was such it was so far out of left field that it took me a minute to process and process is probably the right word here because i don't have a problem with firing mark mccagnon i have a problem with the timing of it right like if it's just such a bad process to let a guy that you don't feel great about spend $191 million to hire a head coach and then to go through the entire draft process and make those decisions to then not let him have a season to see how it plays out to then fire him. And now Adam Gase is going to basically pick his general manager as he's the active general manager. Andrew, like, it's just given so much power to a guy who, quite frankly, just doesn't deserve it, right? I mean, his only accomplishment is winning in one-score games. And if we know anything about analytics, it's that that's going to regress to the mean. And if he loses that, his head coaching record is not much better than Hugh Jackson. So, like, it's just a situation where it blows my mind how this organization is running itself.
0: I ha- yeah, I have many complex feelings about what happened today. If you asked me this morning, what have been your two least favorite decisions of the New York Jets offseason? I would say keeping Mike McCagnin and hiring Adam Gase. Now, clearly hiring Adam Gase has removed the Jets keeping Mike McCagnin, so in one way that's a positive and I have not been shy about saying that I think he should have been fired along with Todd Bowles, if not even earlier, because he's been one of, if not the worst the GM in the NFL over the past few years. I think what's concerning is that when you look at the process, McKagan was involved, heavily involved in the decision to hire Gase, so was Brian Heimerdinger, along with Chris Johnson. They hire Gase, it's been three and a half-ish months, already leaks of problems, disagreements about over players. We know some of that happens sometimes, but clearly there was that much of a deeper and more serious rift, and Gase has enough pull already to really do what he was doing in Miami where he was the head coach and really had a lot of personnel control as well and now again we're going to have another one of these arranged marriages. We had the Rex and Idzik arranged marriage where the Jets had to hire their third or fourth choice at GM because they were forcing them to be with the head coach. This is going to be a somewhat similar situation in that Gase is going to assist in this hiring which is unconventional at best particularly where they're going to stay with the same reporting structure where the GM reports to the owner and the head coach reports to the owner, that's likely going to lead to some problems. Um, And even before that, there's been this series of these arranged marriages. They never just have you clean house, you hire a GM who then goes and hires a head coach, and you have a more traditional reporting structure. And like you said with Gase, it's very, very rare that an NFL head coach gets fired and then immediately gets a job with another NFL team as a head coach the next year. The other recent examples were... Jet names as well, Eric Mangini, Rex Ryan, and they generally don't work out. Gase was twenty three and twenty five in Miami, uh, has been bad the past couple of years, and like you said, it's fair to expect some type of regression to the mean in one score games because that's not just not sustainable. And that was one of the things that Travis Wingfield, who covers the Dolphins day to day, mentioned. He said candidly, and this happens for some teams either way, they got lucky in a lot of those games. Miss kicks, has time expired. Bizarre sort of fumbles and plays. If anyone remembers how they beat the Bears last year, that was a completely insane game. The Patriots on the Miami Miracle. Uh, Those things aren't going to happen every single year. So am I happy the Jets fired Mike McKagan? Yes, they should have fired him a long time ago. I've been baffled as to why he did not receive more public pressure or more, more pressure from fans. The timing, they're going to get criticism for being a circus because the timing is very unconventional. And yes, like you said, they just let him lead the entire offseason. An off season where they made C.J. Mosley the highest paid inside linebacker in NFL history, handed out a huge contract to Le'Veon Bell, and now the beat is aggressively leaking stories that Gase did not want Bell, which could lead to further friction internally. It just seems absolutely chaotic. Where can they go from here... To somewhat salvage some sanity in this situation. And does this change the timeline of expectations around when we could ever expect this team to compete again? So
1: I I think that was an amazing analysis of what's happened today. And the only thing I would add is there's also a leak that Adam Gase was upset with how much money C.J. Mosley was just paid. Like, these are the two new stars of the defense, right? C.J. Mosley is one of the best inside linebackers in the NFL. And Le'Veon Bell is one of the top five running backs in the NFL. Now, we can argue about positional value all, all day long, and that's fine. But, quite frankly, the Jets got two of the most talented players in the NFL, right? And these guys are going to come in, and they're going to be parts of the face of the franchise. They're going to be, you know, Le'Veon Bell Drew's is going to fly off the rack. C.J. Mosley is going to be one of the leaders in the locker room. And one of the things Adam Gase is known for is rubbing players the wrong way. And we are less than, we are like six hours into this thing, and two of the star players of the Jets, Adam Gase is already like, yeah, I didn't really like those decisions. Like, Le'Veon Bell and CJ Mosley are going to hear that, and it's not going to go well. Quite frankly, I, I think my favorite suggestion was from you on Twitter, where you hire a new general manager, and you basically give Adam Gase a, if you don't win eight or more games this season, you're done. And then we allow this new GM to pick his head coach because your point is so spot on that this is such an untraditional hierarchy where the, the coach reports to the owner and the GM reports to the owner. That, that just doesn't make sense, right? Like it, Hierarchy in any business is very important. The fact that there's a reporting structure is very important. The fact that someone has to answer to somebody else is important. And if people aren't on the same page, that one is coaching the team and one is you know, hand-picking the people that are on the team, that it, it just won't work. And this team is very talented in certain areas. And then—and quite frankly, in some of the most important areas, are, have massive holes. I mean, you can argue that Kellen Beecham's a solid tackle, but Snell is not anything special. You can argue that they don't really have a pass rusher. Like, Polite is someone we're really hopeful on that he shows like he did in Florida. But if he shows like he did in his testing metrics, or the fact that he basically, there's a lot of concerns about effort, that that raises, raises serious red flags. That's why he went to the third round, right, instead of first round. And the cornerbacks are a huge question mark, too, right? Darryl Roberts is a huge question mark. Poole is a huge question mark. Tremaine Johnson was supposed to be this shutdown press corner. They didn't necessarily use him right, but he's a question mark. And we're talking about some of the most important positions in the NFL that the Jets have question marks at best at, so... I don't know if this team is set to compete. And then you add in the t- very tough schedule in the first seven or eight games of the season, tough road games, multiple games against the Patriots. Browns are a much improved team. That I- I'm honestly not sure that next January we're not looking for a new head coach. This is the Overtime Podcast Network.
0: It does seem like it could line up in that way. And, again, like my outside the box, I know it won't happen, was you know you hire this guy – Douglas from the Eagles who does seem to be highly regarded. Of course we know that means, you know, not necessarily anything. Transitioning from being a scout to being a GM is a very different job and that's what his background is. At least he comes from a forward-thinking organization. I hope I would love to see them hire someone who builds out an analytics department. Go hire Sashi. He's out there. Go do something unconventional like that. Build out an actual analytics unit and be a little more forward thinking with how you draft. So you're not drafting twenty six year old small school players every single year. And then with Gase, say, look, we just spent a hundred million dollars. Go win more than eight games this year. You have a last place schedule, and if you can't do that, we're going to refresh and start from scratch. Now, of course, that has the downfall that Sam Donald's going to have his third coach in three years. But you got to think more long term. And are the Jets? Do they feel they're going to win a Super Bowl with Adam Gase and Dowell Loggins? Coasting, coaching Sam Darnold, is that the best they could do around him? I don't know. Like you said, they did make some strong additions this year. I was very vocal despite generally not being high on investing in running backs because of the Jets' unique situation And getting Le'Veon Bell. I like Jamison Crowder. I like trading for Coletio Uh I get why they took the third-round swing on Polite. Uh, personally, I wanted to see them trade down from three. Uh, because I'm just tired of seeing them invest in inside linebacker and an interior defensive lineman, and I don't think I think Quinn Williams is going to be a very, very good, potentially a great pro. I just have gotten exhausted of seeing the Jets try to go bigger in a league that's getting faster. When you invest 25 million dollars in Avery Williamson and then 85 million dollars in C.J. Mosley and use a first round pick on Darren Lee and then use another fifth round pick on Blake Cashman. Uh, at inside linebacker. And then you draft Leonard Williams. You bring back Henry Anderson. You draft Quentin Williams. Uh, you still have Steve McClendon on the roster. You used two other, two other draft picks on Nathan Shepard and Foley Fatsukasi last year on interior defensive linemen. It's crazed roster building that has not worked. They're 14-34 and 34 the past three <laughs> years. So I do get and empathize if Gaze, Gaze had some frustration with how they allocated their resources. It doesn't mean that he's ultimately going to be right in the long term. But like you said, light at cornerback, and I know we all love watching the Greg Williams clips from Hard Knocks and thinks he's going to be a needed shot of energy, and I think he will be in some ways. But he's been an up-and-down defensive coordinator, and I think he's going to be in a situation where certain offenses, they're going to spread the Jets out. Put a ton of running backs and receivers on the field and put Avery Williamson and C.J. Mosley in space and force the Jets to put more cornerbacks on the field. And the Jets have no depth at cornerbacks. So they got to hope that their interior defensive line can get to the quarterback fast enough uh, or they're going to have problems when they play the Patriots and the Eagles of the world. And then offensively, nothing's more important than protecting Sam Darnold. And Mike McCagnon in five drafts has taken three offensive linemen, and they, and they were all day two, day three picks. Ha- Jarvis Harrison out of the league immediately. Brandon Shell up and down as a starter at right tackle, and then they took Adoga this year. I don't think there's any expectation that he's going to play this season. Hopefully, next season, uh, it's just been ignorance of those of those positions. And now, you know, let's say that the rumors are true, and Gase has his hand in picking Douglas. Is this a situation where he's like, okay, I reset the timeline now. Me and him, we're a new guy, we're a new tandem. I have two years to turn this around at least. And now we're looking at a situation where the Jets are heading into year nine, potentially, of no playoffs. And we're supposed to give a runway now to a head coach who they hired an experienced head coach. So theoretically, there should be less patience. He was a head coach in this division last year. Uh, So the patience, I don't think, is merited in being there. And what's going to be interesting to see, the media, I thought, was very, very light on McCagnin. Uh Now that he's gone, I could see the knife's out on Gase Fast, and he already didn't get along well with the media in Miami. He's dealing with Greg Williams. He's dealing with Joe Vitt. He's dealing with Greg Williams' son. What is the next round of fireworks that we could potentially see with this team?
1: Oh, I, I mean, I think that those possibilities are endless, right? I mean, because they, they have some guys that aren't shy about speaking their mind. Right? Like, yeah. Le'Veon Bell, I feel like is would be quick to speak up on Gase. I, I think even Jamal Adams, who's a leader of this team, and quite frankly, you know, he's everything that a New York Jets fan could want. But if if these guys are doing crazy things, he might speak up on it at a certain point, um, and and change the the entire mindset of a fan base about this this operation. And I think your point about Gase is very accurate. I think this was a power play to try to make sure he has runway with his team, and I don't think that's fair. And you're absolutely right. Like, everything about this team should be about protecting Sam Darnold and putting him in situations to win. But you look at Adam Gase, and he's known as this quarterback whisperer. And I feel like just because you're Peyton Manning's friend doesn't make you a quarterback whisperer, right? Ryan Ryan Tannehill, Jay Cutler, these guys weren't didn't become great pros under Adam Gase. He ran one of the fewest plays per game which which is a nightmare scenario for me in the modern day nfl i will say that the assembly trade by mike mccagnon was probably my favorite move in the entire offseason you know this this guy was an all pro player before the injuries and if he can regain that form that's fantastic but you know you and i have been very similar on mike mccagnon where his his best picks have basically been no-brainers right like when leonard williams fell to six that was a no-brainer he was considered the best player in the draft by many Jamal Adams was considered the second best pick in the draft by many, and Quentin Williams was considered the best pick in the draft by many who fell. And then after that, it's been nothing but misses. And I'll be the first to admit that I love the Ardarius Stewart pick. I loved him in college. I completely wish It happens. But I think you posted something on Twitter today where you showed basically all his draft picks and whether or not they're in the league, and a majority of them aren't. And right now, the Jets' entire defense is basically set up that if you run up the middle, they'll destroy you, but if you go anywhere else, they're in trouble. So, I mean, I, I think that the opportunities for this whole season to blow up and get ugly, you know, I, I think they're kind of endless.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. So many perspective storylines, and I think, look, to try to put this, look at the other end of it, the one positive thing and the one potential Cure all is if Sam Darnold takes a massive leap, like a Wentz year two like leap or a Goff like leap, that's going to cover a lot of the problems. Because uh, if you're, you're that good at quarterback and you're better at quarterback most weeks, you'll win more games than you should. I think the problem is, is that if Darnold just takes a reasonable step in year two, which I all think we all think he has the ability to and are rightfully excited from what we saw in year one, and I do think. Adam Gase will be better for him than Todd Bowles was, at least. I mean, I would say that if they didn't also hire Dowell Loggins, but I still think overall net Gase will be better for him. Um, But unless Darnold goes to, like, great-great in year two, it's probably still realistic to expect this to be a seven- or eight-win team, and you mentioned it before we hopped on. Their schedule on paper, if you look at the percentage, it's the second easiest schedule in the NFL, thanks to a very soft patch in the middle of the year. What's challenging is their first six weeks are absolutely brutal. And a tough start to the year, like we saw in 2014, could break a fragile organization. You come out, you get Buffalo at home. That has to be a must-win game. Then you go Cleveland, who's going to be picked to be the second, or if not the best team in the AFC. Then you have New England, who's New England, a bye week. And then Philly and Dallas, including a game at Philly, two stocked-up rosters with talented front sevens uh, to pick on your offensive line. And then New England again. Uh, And I think it's Jacksonville in Week 7, even actually. And that's a team who should be better with Nick Foles. That's a really, really tough start, even if the schedule softens out. I mean... If you again, if you would ask me yesterday, I would have said the Jets are going seven and nine or eight and eight. Them firing McCagnon this exact second doesn't change that. I mean, what are what are roughly your expectations win wise on what you see with this roster?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think there are seven and nine or eight and eight team, and a lot depends on Sam Darnold, like you said. Like if he takes that Carson what's one step, he could win, and the Jets could win ten games, right? But they need that level of quarterback play to win ten games. And the worrisome thing is with Adam Gase and his. And his trouble history, and the fact that he's already spoken out against players, is that if this team struggles, like if they lose Week One to Buffalo, and they go to Cle and they play Cleveland at night, and they lose the Cle, and Cleveland's a nightmare matchup for this Jets team, right? Like that's it, it, beyond Baker Mayfield. The fact that that if you look at that defensive line against our offensive line, it's it's troublesome. And Odell Beckham will eat Trumaine Johnson alive. So that game is. And this team just doesn't do well against the Patriots. The Jaguars front seven. Again, like you mentioned before, our offensive line is a major concern. So, Philly's front. Dallas is front. these, These are concerned games. If this team starts like two and five... You could see it all unravel. If this team can kind of hang in and go four and three to start the season, then I then I could see a really good season. But how they start is going to be really important because there's a lot of big personalities, including the head coach. And I think we could start playing the blame game and see things fall apart if it doesn't go well to begin.
0: This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Yeah, I think it's all about treading water early in the season, and they got to stay healthy. And Darnold, as we had mentioned. Uh, is going to be that key pivotal piece. I mean, I just the the level of I don't know the messaging and the dysfunction and even Chris Johnson's comments today really didn't make any sense. He was basically like, I didn't take a deep enough dive on this team during the season. It was not until after the season where I really got in the weeds and figured out there was a problem. I mean, that sounds kind of insane to me. Like, he's been the interim owner for, what, two seasons now? He should be doing a deep dive during the regular season. Uh, And is he really any better than than Woody Johnson? Uh, Because, again, like, you went through this process. You hired the guy. You got to be aware of some of the optics on this stuff. And, again, who cares about the optics if they win? But they don't get the benefit of the doubt until they win because they haven't shown an ability to do that. I mean... The the rumblings of the disconnects seem to center around Le'Veon Bell not acquiring a center. Um, it seemed like a lot of friction seemed to come from them actually not trading down and some of the positions they didn't target draft weekend center and they didn't really address cornerback. Uh, I don't really count what they did with the last pick. Is that I mean, what do you think was the straw that broke the camel the camel's back and with some of this initial sourcing where it came from in terms of reporting a problem?
1: Yeah, I mean so first the the Christopher Johnson thing, it's embarrassing. Like what he he's legitimately trying to lie to people and asking Jets fans to buy it yet again. You know what I mean? Like this this you know, I reviewed the situation carefully today and I realized this is the time and he said there were some issues with Gase and McCagnon, but that wasn't why he got fired. Like he he's legit talking to us like we're six years old. You know what I mean? That like we can't form our own thoughts and not connect dots and say oh that's a problem I, I think there are a lot of issues that happen you know the fact that they didn't sign paradis is embarrassing i mean that's one healthy paradis is one of the best centers in the nfl he wanted to come play for the jets he didn't sign for an insane amount of money at all and center was one of the biggest holes on the roster and if you added him with Osemale with winters i mean you have an interior line that is is fantastic and you could build out on the, in the tackle position I think Bell and Mosley for the money, Gase and McCagnan probably disagree. I don't think Gase dislikes Bell, the talent. I think Gase dislikes the idea of paying a running back, which will make analytics Twitter thrilled, right? Because running backs don't matter. But what Le'Veon Bell, I actually think, and I I said this, is that I think Le'Veon Bell made the most sense for the Jets compared to any other team because of his ability as a receiver and the fact that they have so much cap and he is a legit playmaker, game changer kind of player person to to have for Sam Darnold. The trade back situation, I mean correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but I feel like every single year the Jets are the number one team other than the Sam Darnold year as a candidate to trade back. And it's like we're working really hard to trade back. We're gonna load up on picks, da 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 and then they just never do it. It like literally hasn't happened this millennium. It never happens. Right. Like I I mean the draft from one to three was as predictable as possible, right? Everyone knew Kyler Murray was going one, and the Niners were going to take Nick Bosa. So the Jets, I mean, like the league knew this for, what, two months, three months? Like the Jets must have run through all these scenarios. So were they leaking trade reports to try to drive up the value? I mean, Quinton Williams was considered the top player. Now, I, I love Quinn Williams, the player, and I think he was the right pick if he... You stay at three. But training back was the no-brainer because you had to recoup what you gave up for Sam Darnold. I mean, look what the Colts did, right? The Colts, two years ago, were one of the most depleted rosters in the NFL. People talked about the fact that they had Andrew Luck, they had T.Y. Hill, and they had a bunch of dudes. And then they did that trade with the Jets, and all of a sudden now they have one of the best offensive lines. They got one of the the best young defensive cores. Obviously, they, they still need to add a couple pieces, but they're a really talented team because... They, they did that trade back. And the fact that the Jets couldn't figure out a way to move down a couple spots and, and recoup a lot of talent and a lot of draft capital and add to a roster that's very depleted. Like, if you're going to spend big money on Le'Veon Bell and C.J. Mosley and ignore cornerback and center and offensive tackle and edge rusher, you better damn well trade back and be able to make up for that. And the fact that they just didn't is kind of embarrassing, and then you, and then the report is that they try to basically trade their entire second day, right, to go get Hardman from Georgia, a playmaking wide receiver, who, if you look at the roster, would be the wide receiver four. I just, I don't understand the thought process, and so people are gonna be like, so it sounds like you were in favor of letting McCagnan go, and my answer would be yes, but in January, where you let someone new come in and mold the franchise around what they want to do because it's unfair to the gm whoever they hire right now to be judged this season because they had nothing to do with this roster
0: yeah he has to get that much longer of a rope and it's going to take a year maybe even two years to really like shape this roster into whatever that new person wants and i think we'll probably see a bit of an exodus of some of the guys who only have roster spots because they're on scholarship because they were McCagnon picks. I think you started to see the beginning of that when they cut ties with Rashard Robinson, a guy they wasted a fifth round pick to trade on. Uh, Could we see some other guys, the, You know, Jeremy Clarks, Jordan Leggett's, maybe even some of the guys taken last year like Fatsukai and Nickerson, uh, their roster spots get a little more tenuous now uh, if you get a new GM in here. And I would have to imagine, you would think, and we could be wrong because never assume that this team is well run or has a plan because they've been one of the worst teams in the NFL. You would assume they have a counter hire ready to go pretty soon. I don't think this is going to drag on. I think they probably waited to pull the trigger on this until they felt confident that they had somebody else that was going to fill this role. Now, the most commonly rumored name has been Joe Douglas, who's been with the Eagles for a while, has an impressive resume on paper, Uh, you know, work with the Eagles, work with the Ravens, uh, is one of those guys that you regularly hear about or read about as the next up-and-coming, as a candidate to be a next up-and-coming GM. There's a rumor that Daniel Jeremiah could join the front office. I mean, I... I'd like to see them maybe cast a wider net, but with GMs, I feel like it's kind of hard. Uh, it's a difficult role to project. It's a very different job than being just in the weeds on being a scout. I mean, what are your hopes for the best-case scenario over how this pans out the next few weeks?
1: Yeah, I saw, uh, uh, sorry. I saw Joe Banner say that they wouldn't have made this decision unless they, hi- they had the person in mind And basically agree to a contract. But the only reason it's going to take time is because of the Rooney rule. I don't know why I can't speak. I'm sorry. Because of the Rooney rule. So, I mean, I think Douglas makes the most sense. Uh, I would not be very excited about Jeremiah, to be completely honest, based on a lot of things I've seen him say. And, you know, these media personalities, you get a closer in-depth look of their process than anybody else. And I just – a lot of things Jeremiah said – I disagree with, but I think your point about a general manager like it's it's a very difficult job to judge until someone actually steps into those shoes. Right because how they manage the salary cap, how they handle free agents, how they handle trades, how they handle player evaluations, how they handle personnel decisions, how they handle coaching decisions. These are all way different aspects than how do you scout players. So there's so much unknown that, you know, I feel like you kind of have to See who's hired and give them a fair opportunity before you just judge it. But, uh, I I mean, I know I'm kind of contradicting what I just said, but I prefer not Jeremiah. So news breaking
0: while we're on the pod, Adam Gase's first move has just traded inside linebacker Darren Lee to the Kansas City Chiefs for a sixth-round pick. So that didn't take long. Uh, We knew Lee was on the chopping block for a while. Further blemishing out Mike McKagan's draft resume as his first two picks in 2016 were Darren Lee and Christian Hackenberg. Uh, Lee basically traded away for nothing. Uh, was probably a move that was inevitable after they uh, signed C.J. Mosley and drafted Blake Cashman. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, moving fast and furious here. I'm curious what other transactions could go. Quick reaction to the Jets trading Darren Lee for a six-round pick.
1: I mean, I was hoping for a little bit more, but I mean, I was hoping for like a fourth or fifth round pick. But, I mean, this is someone you knew wasn't going to be on the roster for long with every single one of the transactions they made this offseason. But I think it is really funny. I, I saw, I just checked Twitter after you made that announcement, and Chiefs fans are all excited about this is a first round pick, this guy's a stud. This guy's going to do everything you know he's going to solve all our problems, and it's funny how people naturally react to when their team make a transaction that they're just like, "Oh, this solves all our problems." but you know from a jet standpoint, you got something for a guy that you didn't want to be on your roster. I don't think it's the end of the world. I would have preferred a little bit more value, but it's it's a little bit more ammunition for whoever the new GM is. All right,
0: seems like it's going to be we thought this might be a quieter time of the year. Clearly not uh, complete insanity. I expect a few more transactions to ultimately break through again, you know, with Lee only McKagan first round pick who is not a top six pick and he was traded for a sixth rounder kind of encapsulates what the problem was here. Um, Elliot Christ. Thank you for joining us. Everyone give him a follow on Twitter. Everyone follow all his work that he will be cranking out all this off season. He's at Elliot Christ. Um, and we will share this link out, come out first thing Thursday morning. Stay with us at TurnOnTheJets.com. It seems like there will be plenty of action uh, in these coming days. Thank you again, Elliot, and thank you, everybody, for listening.